Chapters 17 and 18 of A Surgeon in Arms by Robert James Mannion. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 17 A Trip to Arras. One day toward the end of March 1917, our battalion was in reserve in huts and tents at Bois des Alleurs, a mile or so back of Mont Saint-Eloi, so I took advantage of a fine afternoon to ride about the country making a detour through fields to avoid being stopped by some officious transport control i came to the route nationale running from bethune to arras to my surprise it looked like the strand on a busy day for it was full of marching troops transport wagons hurrying motor cars with staff officers and double-decked motor buses painted gray full of tommies gay and happy going to a railhead to enjoy a well-earned leave one could not but wonder in what part of london these motor-buses used to carry their passengers and think how strange it was to see them now hurrying along a french road within shell-fire of the germans as i rode along the well-paved route our trench lines could be seen in the nearby fields and the picturesque towers of mont eloy were on my left seen through the nets stretched from tree to tree to hide the traffic from the watchful eyes of the german observers riding toward arras eight kilometers away i came up with an english officer riding in the same direction when i joined him he was at first as all english officers are a little loath to be joined by a stranger though the latter wears the same uniform but gradually he thawed and became the likable courteous chap that the english officer nearly always becomes on closer acquaintance he informed me that one required a pass to enter arras but as he had one and was going in to see his commanding officer he offered to take me in as the medical officer of his battalion availing myself of this brotherly offer i rode with him along the net guarded road till we came to the outskirts of arras where a sentry allowed me to enter with him we put up our horses at the old french cavalry barracks now occupied by british not canadian troops and then we started out to search for his c o we came first to what was once the attractive boulevard carnot now a barbed wire square as it was nearly filled with this material to keep the soldiers out of it to prevent them from being hit by the german shells which landed there daily either from the enemy lines only a hundred yards away or from hostile airplanes the huns had the range of this street to a nicety as we walked along the street shells bursting a couple of blocks away threw pieces of rock so near our heads that we were glad when we reached the end of it we wandered about the streets deserted by nearly all civilians except an old man here and there walking about with bowed head or an old woman long past the days of her beauty being spoiled by the splinters of a shell except in a shop where i coaxed a young woman to sell me a souvenir spoon in two hours i saw only one young woman in the streets she was hurrying along with a parcel under her arm paying no heed to the sharp cutting explosions of our eighteen-pounders nearby or to the explosions of the german shells a few blocks away she looked for all the world like a young housewife returning home after a morning shopping the houses that lined the streets were nearly all closed 
all of them showed marks of shell-fire some being completely demolished others having only the rear wall standing with parts of the sides pointing outward like arms stretching forth for their loved ones the immense station of the chemin de fer du nord was a mass of ruins the stone cathedral was represented by the lower part of the tower and a brass bell lying on the pavement the bell that had in times of peace so often called the faithful to prayer the avenue pasteur france is a country that recognizes its scientists showed few complete buildings and ironically one noted the ruin that german shells had made of the avenue strasbourg here and there a stone barricade had been built loopholes being left for machine-guns to prevent a possible german advance notices told all to keep near the walls and away from the open streets to avoid shell-fire estaminets cafes epicuries and restaurants were all damaged and closed joyful nights and gay days were things of the past in this shadow of a prosperous city a la mode parisienne the sign over a lady's suit store was all that remained of the centre of fashion of the women of arras altogether arras which had been a well-built and modern city of twenty-five thousand people had become a deserted village what shutters remained were closed and riddled with shrapnel and the place had a sad forbidding air as if the inhabitants had flown because of some horrible plague it reminded one of the ruins of pompeii in one square stood the pedestal only of a monument erected it is said in nineteen ten in honour of the sons of arras who had died for their native land when the monument is rebuilt the dead heroes in whose honour it was erected will have been joined by many comrades i passed out of the walls depressed by the unhappy wreck of a once prosperous city destroyed by the highly refined methods of warfare developed by twentieth-century german kultur End of chapter seventeen chapter eighteen ragout a la mode de guerre trench stew usually hunting partridge or grouse is the pleasure only of those who remain at home but one day while sitting in a dugout i enjoyed a wonderful meal our dugout was in a communication trench some five hundred yards from the front line and probably six hundred from the german the dugout was one of those steel-roofed affairs the roof forming a graceful semicircle of one-eighth inch metal covered with sand a foot thick carelessly shoveled on my orderlies were corporal roy a canadian boy of twenty private jacques whose well-developed sense of dry scotch humour showed itself by his irritating the men about him by any method of teasing which came easiest but whose personal good-nature and loyal love of doing his duty be it the most arduous and dangerous made every one forgive him any of his annoying tricks and my batman private john a decent clean and brave canadian boy who by the way was one of the best men i ever had to look after my comforts or lessen my discomforts whichever way you choose to put it this fine cool winter day we had been standing at the door of our dugout peeping over a comparatively safe bit of parapet watching some of our sixty-pound trench mortars hurtle through the air and burst in the german lines at last tiring of the performance i went inside and sat down to read one of geoffrey farnol's latest books 
a few minutes later roy came hurrying in grabbed his rifle and went racing out again wondering what was the cause of this strange behavior and hearing a shot i went out turning into the main communication trench i was just in time to see corporal roy climbing back over the parapet with a plump dead partridge in his hand only those of you who have been living for some months on army rations can appreciate the glorious anticipations which a fat plump partridge can conjure up in one's imagination his rifle was leaning against the parados and roy explained to us that he had seen two partridges but had only succeeded in getting one his impatience getting the better of his judgment he did not wait till dark to go out and get his prize but went over the parapet in plain view of german snipers only six hundred yards away and brought in his bag of game the partridge was cleaned by john and jacques and with the addition of a little mutton and carrots from last night's rations i made a stew of it all agreed perhaps my boys didn't care to disagree that it was delicious this is the recipe for ragout a la mode de guerre shoot a partridge over the parapet on a bright day take your life in your hands to go out and get the victim clean it but not too clean mix with it a little mutton and carrots stew it in a canteen or dixie over a charcoal brazier with plenty of the penetrating charcoal fumes entering your lungs and perform all these rites in a dugout with enemy shells popping about in the neighborhood if you have carefully carried out all these directions then being sufficiently hungry add a goodly portion of that most savory of sauces appetite to the dish i promise you that though your tastes are blasé to the last degree you will admit that ragout a la mode de guerre makes a meal fit for the discriminating palate of a king End of chapter eighteen